For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. Here in chapter 14 of 2 Kings, we have events from the life of Amaziah, king of Judah. His life teaches us about the need to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Now let's join Pastor Ross in a study entitled, Kind of Good and Kind of Bad. Alrighty, good evening again. Are you guys ready to get back into 2 Kings? Awesome. Turn with me to chapter 14, and we're going to do just that. Chapter 14, now Heavenly Father, we just always like to pause and ask you to help focus our minds and uh, soften our hearts and help us to hear with the Spirit's help what the Spirit is saying to us, Lord, you've got good words of instruction, comfort, and guidance, and uh, everything that we need tonight here in the living Word of God. We pray for receptive hearts in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. At the height of Israel's success, David's son, King Solomon, had just finished construction of the glorious temple and the imposing palace, and the Lord appeared to him for a second time and made a fairly clear-cut two-fold proposal. He said, if you and your sons after you walk with me, with integrity and a right heart, I'm going to establish your work and I will bless you and the nation. But, and it's pretty simple, it's not rocket science. He says, but if you go running after other gods and worship them, all bets are off because you can't have your cake and eat it too, which means you can't have your sins and my blessing as well. Um, so Solomon and others chose the latter instead of the former and decided to worship other gods. And the nation was split in two, just like the Lord promised. And uh, so why don't we have that uh, reminder of the map. Civil war broke out. Ten tribes went to the state in the north, two at the, in the south. And so Israel and Judah uh, separated here and they're not going to destroy themselves even though tonight they're going to try and they have been trying for years and years uh, but they won't succeed in destroying themselves in 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 just a little while and we'll see it happen in 722 Assyria will come uh, it is uh, northern Turkey Iraq and Iran will come in Assyria and destroy them and take them off and disperse them uh, that is how my ancestors ended up in Russia and Poland. Jews who end up in Russia and Poland in those areas were dispersed back then in 722 BC. Well, Judah, who had eight kings who actually were good out of the 20, they have 20 before they're destroyed. Uh, they have about 20 before they're destroyed in 586. From the Babylonians who come in, they are the... Uh, modern-day Iraqis. And so they'll come in and they'll destroy the temple and they'll also take exiles. Now, the southern guys, they, they, this, 
the Jew, people from Judah <laughs> will come back uh, after 70 years, but as Ezekiel promised, the nation would be regathered, and it went ungathered until 1948. And 1948, May 14th, Israel became a nation, and God began taking all the scattered Jews who had been scattered for 2,000 years and making good his promise in Ezekiel chapter 36 to bring his people from all over the earth back to their land. And that's what's happening even today. Planes landed today with Jews from Russia and all over the world landing in the promised land. And so uh, this is what we are talking about. The next chart shows the 20 kings on each side. And we've just been, Second Kings is working your way through the disaster that Solomon started by worshiping other gods. And God told him, if you're going to go running after these gods, you're going to split the kingdom and your son's after you and all of that. And so uh, here's the north, here's the south. And as our regular listeners know, that we just have been working our way. Now, now chapter 14, we find ourselves with Amaziah's story and also Jeroboam II here in the north uh, at the end. And so we'll talk about these two kings, probably get to him as well. But basically, it's about Amaziah there. So that is uh, the context. We're focusing on king number nine. <laughs> These guys are all related to David, all the way down, 28 generations from David. Jesus will appear as related to King David. Uh, he is biologically related. All of these men are biologically grandchildren of King David. These guys are all different families, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different dynasties there. This is one dynasty all the way down to Jesus. All right, so we're working our way down, and now we finally get down to this guy, to Amaziah, uh, king of Judah. All right, verse one. In the second year of Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, that's the important name for our story, Amaziah, son of Joash, who was just uh, assassinated last time we spoke. So he takes the throne. He's king of Judah. He begins to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehoadin, the Lord brings light. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father David had done. Now, interestingly, just calling David his father, uh, he's really his grandfather times eight generations, but it, the Bible will say his father David. All right, so he didn't quite uh, reign like David did. In everything, he followed the example of his biological father, his actual dad, Joash. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Verse 5. After the kingdom was firmly in his grasp, he executed the officials who had murdered his father, the king. That was Joash. Yet he did not put the sons of the assassins to death in accordance with 
what was written in the book of the law of Moses, where the Lord commands, fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their fathers, each is to die for their own sins. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, verse 16. He was the one who defeated 10,000 Edomites in the valley of Salt, just by the Dead Sea, and captured Selah in battle, calling it Jokthiel, which means God destroys. That name uh, is there to this day. All right, so uh, first of all, if you're taking notes, uh, he begins well. He begins well. But like one of my kids used to qualify just about everything with this kind of phrase. He would say, um, you know, did you like dinner? And he would say, well, I kind of did and I kind of didn't. Or if you said, do you want to go out? I kind of do and I kind of don't, you know. And so that became just a thing we've always done for years, you know, because he liked to do that so much. And with this king, I couldn't help. But think, he's kind of good, but kind of (laughs) bad. And so G. Campbell Morgan, a great commentator, uh, wrote about these verses. The constantly repeated story of limitation in loyalty is told again. In other words, 2 Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 2 says of this Amaziah that he didn't serve wholeheartedly. So first of all, the kind of good. Um, He's a very young man. He's 25 when his dad was assassinated, King Joe Ash. You recall last time. And he takes the throne and he deals very unjustly with the assassins to his father, of his father, I should say. And uh, the death penalty is applied. The death penalty, of course, comes in Genesis chapter 9, verses 5 through 7. Uh, God speaking, first person, he says, the murderer forfeits his life at the hand of the state. And that's where you find the death penalty, Genesis chapter 9. Now, the custom uh, was back in the day uh, to execute the murderers and their families as well. Uh, But this guy, Amaziah, kind of good, kind of good part was that he respected the word of the Lord and he knew that we're not going to put to death all of the kids as well. We are just going to put to death the, the assassins. And so uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 16 was upheld. But that said, and I love this description in verse 3, uh, he could do the right thing, and he, he had a respect generally for the word of God, uh, but he was no King David. But he was no King David. Now, why is King David always kind of the bar for all the kings that follow? It's because of his wholeheartedness. If you read the Psalms, I mean, this guy had problems. He had real he had some brokenness and, and he 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 did great sinning. But he even in that he had a whole heart that was always yielded over to the Lord despite some tragic choices on his part. Psalm eighty six and verse twelve really put, puts it really nicely about his I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. That was the bar for every king or every Christian or every person. 
you know, you ask yourself, do I love the Lord with all my heart? That's a good question to ask. And, and so, um, rather, he was like his own father, Joash. It was actually, Joash was kind of good and kind of not as well. And so, uh, for example, and verses three and four tell you, uh, here's an example of not being wholehearted. He continued the policy of allowing sacrifice and offerings in the high places. In the high places, after Solomon, the high places were places of sexual immorality and incense to pagan gods. Uh, before Solomon's time, uh, you could actually worship the Lord in some of those high places, but the high places are, should have been removed, and uh, they were not. And it just showed evidence that he wasn't wholehearted. So... Two dramatic events are going to mark Amaziah's 29-year reign, and you have them before you. And verse 7 is one of those events. Uh, but it's dismissed in a single verse, and it says, this is the guy, Amaziah, who took back Edom and defeated 10,000 of them near the Dead Sea. All right, so here's Edom, just to remind you. Down by the Dead Sea, this is Edom. Now, they, they, they lost, they, were, they conquered Edom, but then they lost it four kings ago. And so that's going to be an important thing to remember. But he's telling you that he's the guy who led a great victory over this kingdom here. And just so you have uh, context there. Now, uh, it's only one sentence in our text, but let me give you the full story because it's going to be important for the next event that starts at verse 8. Okay, so I think I have it on the slide um, out of Second Chronicles 25. Here's how that battle down in Edom went. Amaziah mustered those uh, 20 years old or more this is going to help me a lot. Oh, hallelujah. 20 years old or more and found that there were 300,000 men ready for military service, able to handle the spear and shield. He also hires 100,000 fighting men from Israel. Those are the, the bad guys, right? Judah and Israel are fighting for 100 talents of silver. That's four tons of silver worth $1 million. But a man of God comes to Amaziah and says, O king, these troops from Israel must not march with you. The Lord is not with Israel at this moment. <laughs> Even if you go and fight courageously in battle, God will overthrow you before the enemy, for God has the power to help or to overthrow. Amaziah asked the man of God, But what about the hundred talents I paid for these Israelite troops? Uh, the man of God replies, the Lord could give you a lot more than that. So Amaziah, kind of good, dismissed the troops who had come to him from Ephraim and sent them home. They were furious with Judah and left for home in great rage. I put that in italics because it's important to the next event. All right, so you got to remember this. Amaziah then marshaled his strength and led his army to the Valley of Salt down at the Dead Sea where he killed 10,000 men of Seir. Why were they so upset, those guys? They got paid 
And then they were told, hey, look, you know, a prophet came and, you know, he said the Lord doesn't need you all. So go back. You're not really serving him. So he's not interested in you fighting. All right. So go home. Keep your money. You know, why were they enraged? Well, because they wanted the, they wanted the, the plunder and they wanted the honor. And they're going to come back home and say, uh, the Lord said he doesn't need us because we're unclean. You know, the, that's not a, a thing a guy wants to say to his family when he's coming home from the front lines of the military. Okay, so kind of good, kind of good. Here's what happens. He was putting his trust in numbers. He was thinking, okay, I've got 300,000 men. And I'm going to try to get 100,000 more. You know, uh, he got rebuked by the man of God and he took the loss, obeyed the boss and victory was his, right? So it's kind of good. But the kind of good here is only one sentence. Why? Well, because it's kind of bad and the kind of bad is coming in the second event. And here how, here's how it starts, verse eight. So thank you for that. Verse eight. Now, here's the second event starting. Then Amaziah, after the great victory, right? So he's killed those 10,000 Edomites, right? So then Amaziah sends a message to Jehoash. I can never say these guys' names um, because they all sound the same to me. Uh, So Amaziah sends a message to the king of Israel with the challenge, come meet me face to face. But the king of Israel replied to the king of Judah. A th- he's going to give him a little riddle. A thistle in Lebanon sent a message to a cedar in Lebanon. Give your daughter to my son in marriage. Then a wild beast in Lebanon came along and trampled the little thistle underfoot. You have indeed defeated Edom. And now you are arrogant. Glory in your victory, but stay at home. Why ask for trouble and cause your own downfall and that of Judah also? All right, if you're taking notes, number two, pride goes before the fall. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Amaziah, 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 what are you thinking? What is it about success that makes it more dangerous than failure? The guy is given great grace to overcome the Edomites who uh, Israel lost out to four kings prior, right? So he takes it back. God blesses him. And now he's too big for his britches and he's going to plunge the nation into trouble. What is that about us? You know, I think brokenness and weakness is uh, not that bad of a thing. Because it's when we succeed that we have all the temptation in the world to be proud and cocky and um, we feel self-sufficient. We don't need the Lord because look how good I'm doing and all of that. And that's exactly what happens to him. Um, Listen to this. Now, this guy is going to end up, Amaziah is going to end up assassinated. Sorry. And his son Uzziah, uh, listen, listen to this. Uh, verse 15 of Second Chronicles 26, I have this in a slide for you. Just speaking about how success really 
uh, can be a slippery slope for Christians. In Jerusalem, Uzziah, he makes machines designed by skillful men for use on the towers and on the corner defenses to shoot arrows and hurl large stones. So this guy is really gifted and has done great things. His fame spread far and wide, for he's greatly helped until he became powerful. He was greatly helped by God until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall, and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. That's a no-no. You're supposed to be blood-related to Aaron to do that. And so all the priests come in and you know, rebuke him. And I'm not going to tell you how the story ends, but it doesn't end very well for him. And why? He was greatly helped until he was strong. And then his pride. Hey, I'm strong. Look what, the, look what, I, look what I've done. I don't need the Lord anymore. Down he goes. Just terrible. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Thank you for that slide. It says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And so Amaziah didn't take heed. Now, emboldened by his victory there in Edom, he picks a fight with Israel, right? They've got 10 tribes. He's got two states. All right, so he, he's picking a fight with them. And, and, and Second Chronicles tells us also why he's picking a fight. Uh, you remember those 100,000 soldiers that he hired for a million bucks? Well, they're so mad that on their way back to Israel, they uh, attack the Judean countryside villages and they kill 3,000 uh, Judeans on their way out. So, so Amaziah sends a message to the king of Israel and says, come on, face me like a man. Okay, but the, he's got 10 states and he's, he's a, he thinks, that, you know, I'm undefeatable now because I just killed these 10,000 guys down here in Edom, right? So, so he sends a message. He says, come on down here, let's talk, you know, let's do this. And so the king of Israel, and I love this, gives him wise counsel, a very diplomatic counsel, in the form of a parable. And back in those days, they did this a lot. They'd send little songs and riddles to each other. You know, or I don't know why, but here it is. Let me paraphrase what he said. He said, he sends a message back. He says, once upon a time, there was a little bitty insect who was who sent a message to an elephant. Hey, pal, come on down and let's negotiate. Then a rabbit came hopping along and squashed the little guy like the bug that he was. So here's my advice. Congratulations on your big win over Edom. Now go home and be quiet and be content because if you don't, you and your little country are going to pay dearly. Does that make sense? That's kind of what he said. So you're inviting personal and national disaster. Uh, verse 11. Amaziah, however, would not listen. He didn't like the little poem. <laughs> he didn't like the part where he was the little thistle. All right. He would not listen, so Jehoash, king of Israel, attacked he, the elephant, and Amaziah, the insect. 
king of Judah, faced each other at Beth Shemesh, which is hilarious because Jim Semesh, right? His wife's name is Beth. So Beth Semesh, it just, I, I find it very interesting. They, <laughs> they faced each other at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Verse 12, Judah was routed by Israel Okay, just like he said, it was going to happen. And every man fled to his home. Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah. Then Jehoash went to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate, a section about 600 feet long. He took all of the gold and silver and all the articles found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. He also took hostages and returned to Samaria. So number three, you know, desert the Lord and get squashed like a bug. That's what I wrote down there. So actually, Amaziah, the insect, could have squashed the elephant if he was walking with the Lord. I started to think about this. Do you remember king, if you remember last time we talked, the king of Israel just had taken a beating from Syria And they were down to 10,000 chariots, 50 horsemen, and 10,000 foot soldiers. He could have been taken. And that's probably what what Amaziah was thinking, is he's weakened. Yeah, he's 10 states, but he's been weakened. But 2 Chronicles 25 tells us why Amaziah couldn't take him, because the Lord was against Judah. And here's why, and I have it on a slide for you. When Amaziah returned from slaughtering those Edomites, remember the 10,000 down by the Dead Sea? Here's what happened. And this is why he couldn't go forward in victory. He brought back the gods of the people. He set them up as his own gods, bowed down to them and burned sacrifice to to them. The anger of the Lord burned against Amaziah and he sent a prophet to him. We didn't know any of this, 2 Chronicles tells us, and said, why do you consult this people's gods which could not save their own people from your hand? So he goes in, he wipes them out. He, He goes into their temple, takes their gods, Uh, They've lost, right? Takes their gods, brings them home, and bows down and thanks them. But they just lost. So so the prophet's just asking a question. I've got a question for you. God, the Lord just wants to know, what is in this for you? To worship the gods of the people that lost to you. Yeah, doesn't make sense. But does sin ever make sense? Why do you consult this people's gods which could not save their own people from your hand? I love this verse 16. While he was still speaking, the king says to him, have we appointed you an advisor to the king? Stop. Why? Be struck down. In other words, shut up or you're going to get yourself killed. The, the man of God's talking to him and he's saying, dude, what are you thinking? You take their gods and now you're, you're worshiping them. And he says, Did I appoint you to be my personal counselor? Uh, You better stop right now or you're going to get cut down. So like a good prophet, he has to get one last sentence in. (laughs) So the prophet stopped, but 
There's always the preacher in you. You just got to say one last thing. I don't relate to that at all. But so he stops and he says, I know, by the way, before you get your sword out, big boy, listen to me, insect bug that you are. I know that God has determined to destroy you because you've done this and have not listened to my counsel. Now I may leave. And he leaves. So... That's when he goes to pick a fight with Israel, and Israel warns him, we'll squash you like a bug. But he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to the man of God. who come. God, God's trying to help him. Don't do this, you know? Uh, but he, his ego's just too big. So for me, one quote here, I just love this, and thank you for that scripture. It's the lowest form, the one writer put it this way, it's the lowest form of ungodliness and the most wretched of all sins when in response to God's blessing, a man turns away and sins against the Lord. The Lord gives this guy Edom and he turns around and betrays the Lord and provokes God to his face. Thank you for blessing me. Now I'm going to bow down to their pagan idols. That's low. That's really low. Sinning in the face of hardship is one kind of foolishness, but sinning in the face of blessing is taking evil to a new level. And it's something our wicked hearts are pretty prone to do. He wipes out the Edomite army with the help of the Lord and then takes their idols back to Jerusalem to bow down and kiss up to them and worship them. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It's hard even with a regenerated heart to walk right. That's how wicked this thing is. It can have the Holy Spirit inside, can have the word of God right in front, and a mind that fully has full wisdom like Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, and he's the one that started this chain of events by worshiping other gods, and he's the wisest man that ever lived. So I started thinking about that today. How is that possible? How can you be so wise? and then go worshiping other gods and bring this disaster on this people. What kind of wisdom is that? The heart. The heart needs to apply the wisdom. You know when he, Solomon, wrote this proverb, above all things, guard your heart. Because from your heart, your life springs. That's one thing Solomon didn't do. He had it all figured out here. I got my doctrine straight. I know the Lord. I got, I got this. I'm smart, right? But here his heart was hardening. So the question to ask yourself is never do I, do I got everything straight up here? The question to ask yourself always is, is my heart getting hard? Am I getting kind of cynical? Am I able to do to 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 say and do things or think things a little bit easier because I'm a little bit callous that that's what happened to Solomon. 
That's what happened to these guys who are kind of good and kind of bad. The kind of bad happens because of this. Above all things, people that I love, my friends, my Christian congregation, guard your heart. Guard your heart. The Holy Spirit will help you. He's really good. He's a really good guard, amen? One more time. Just like, kind of like you really think so, all right? <laughs> He's a really good guard, the Holy Spirit, amen? amen? He is. He's really good, all right. All right, so let's get back here. So here's the deal. Amaziah himself is captured by his foolishness, right? So he's going to ignore the Lord. He's going to go forward anyway. So he gets himself captured. The city wall of Jerusalem uh, is breached for 600 feet, which puts Jerusalem in a vulnerable place. Many POWs are taken, and the treasuries are looted, right? And I have written down here just one sentence. Rarely do we contemplate the extent of the damage we will do when we set our hearts to sin, when we are headstrong about it. We don't stop to think. We just think, hey, you know, I'm only hurting myself. Lie from the devil. It's never you're only hurting yourself. You will take those close to you down with you. And they will suffer. And it all depends what it is we're talking about to the degree. But trust me, this guy did not understand he was going to put Jerusalem in a vulnerable place. He's going to have POWs. Uh, the people of God that, that are going to be bankrupt because of him and his choice not to listen to the Lord. Husband, listen to the Lord. You got a wife, you got kids. Mom, listen to the Lord. You got a husband, you got kids. Boss, you got employer, you got people who are depending on you. Brother, sister, daughter, son, your choices matter. It won't just be you. There'll be layers of pain and destruction. And live 35 years in ministry, you'll see it happen. And that's what's motivating me to say, you know, guard your heart. Guard your heart, because it's not just you. It's not just you. All right, let's just read. Let's finish this one guy off, the, the next king, <laughs> all right? Because it's going to be the same old story, right? Kind of good, kind of bad. All right, no, this guy's kind of all bad. All right, let's just read through. I'll make a few comments. We'll be done. Verse 15, as for the other, oh, we're not done with this guy. All right, let's finish him off. As for the other events of the reign of Jehoash, what he did so this is the, the guy who just gave the insect a spanking. What he did and his achievements, including his war against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Israel? Jehoash rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. And Jeroboam, his son, succeeded him as king. He'll be called Jeroboam II. Now, verse 17, Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, lived for 15 years after the death of Jehoash, son of Jeho Jehoahaz, king of Israel. 
I plead with Jewish parents all over the world, please stop this madness. Name. <laughs> Verse 18. As for the other events of Amaziah's reign, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? Now, P.S., they conspired against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent men after him to Lachish. This is Amaziah, our, our dude, and killed him there. He was brought back by horse and buried in Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. Then all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16, and made him king in place of his father, Amaziah. There we go again. Azariah, Amaziah, all right. Amazon, <laughs> 22. He was the one who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his fathers. So sad end for a king of great potential. Let's finish up with a few comments here then. The close of Amaziah's life. Uh, he lives as a POW in Israel for 15 years. So when he went against the king, right, of Israel, the king of Israel captured him, brought him back to Israel, where he lived for 15 years. Now, when Jehoash dies, King Jeroboam II apparently releases him and lets him go back to Judah. But when he goes back to Judah, there's already a king. His son is reigning, and there's tension. And so that tension is resolved by him fleeing for his life, but they send assassins and they kill him in Lachish and bring his body back. So this is the guy. Uh, I, apparently they tried to do the co-regency thing, the father and son, but there were too many political tensions and uh, that's how it was resolved. Uh, here's how Warren Wearsby, great commentator, uh, concluded the chapter, chapter 14, really this section. Amaziah is a tragic figure in Jewish history. He was presented with great opportunities and experienced great help from the Lord, but he was a double-minded man who didn't wholeheartedly serve the Lord. He had his own agenda and didn't take time to seek the mind of the Lord. And then, you know, I do things in my notes, which nobody knows about except me, and I find them very entertaining. And so I draw pictures and things. And so I have a picture of a, of a gravestone with rest in peace, Amaziah. And then I have a motto on it. And I wrote down what I would write on his gravestone. Ignore God and do your own thing and bring disaster on yourself and pain on everyone around you. That's his legacy. But, I mean, the Lord is kind of um, fair. He says he's kind of good. He had kind of good stuff go on. But it, the kind of bad canceled out, really, the kind of good. Amen? You know, the same goes in, in converse. Obey God and serve him and bring blessing on yourself and favor to those around you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is a mystery why it is so hard for us to love you and just walk with you and obey you because your will is best. We are blessed when we surrender to you and 
Lord, but we are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it, prone to leave the God we love. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would have his way and that we would cooperate more with him to put to death the misdeeds of the body, as Paul reminds us to do there in the book of Romans. We thank you, Lord, for your great patience and your long-suffering and your wonderful grace. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.